Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, this morning we're going to continue our journey uh, in the book of James. We're up to chapter 4. We've arrived at this point and we're looking through verses 1 through to 10 today. And they're going to be looking at this. And uh, the topic or the theme for today is this. The posture of the kingdom of God is submission. Amen. The posture of the kingdom of God is submission. And I really want to encourage you, don't turn off yet, because I believe that there's some great things to, to learn about the power of submission working in our lives. But I wanted to start by reading this morning from verse, uh, chap, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this, it should be up on the screens. It says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? But He gives, uh, excuse me, but He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. humble. Verse seven. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament. Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy turn to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that is eternal. Thank you, Lord, that heaven and earth will, excuse me, that, that earth will fade away, but your word will last forever. Lord, as we delve into the writings of James this morning, we just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us as a congregation, but Lord, also that you would speak to us individually. We pray today, Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit that is here and here is present this morning would help us this morning by illuminating the word to us. So Lord, I just commit my words to you, my thoughts to you, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Well, this morning there's uh, four main thoughts that came to me as I was studying uh, on Thursday, preparing for tomorrow, uh, excuse me, for Sunday. But the main thought that I really felt this morning to, to focus on near the end of our time together was to look at the, the power and the place of submission today and learn how that it is the posture of the kingdom of God. And, you know, I know when we start to talk about submission, we can get all eked out. Hello? We can get all like, where's this going? What's going to happen? want to encourage you. That's not where we're going this morning. We're going to be edified in the Word of God. But there are four key thoughts that came out of James, and I wanted to start with number one. And the first thought was this. Number one, the war between the old man and the new man. It says this. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you have you murder uh, and cannot obtain. James starts the text with focusing on the war within, the old nature that we are continually 
battling with all the time. There is a war going on within our members between what is classed as the old man and then what is classed as the new man. Amen. There's continually a battle going on. And the reality is it's a battle that none of us are exempt from. In fact, Paul speaks about his own challenges with his flesh nature in Romans chapter 7 because he says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. So Paul, Paul there in the book of Romans speaks about his own struggle there as well with this old nature. But we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, the antidote to dealing with the old nature. Because as long as the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning, there will continually be a war within us between that which is, is old and that which is new. And the antidote is found in Ephesians chapter 4. And it says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man slash woman, to help all the ladies as well, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in the true righteousness and holiness. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, gives us, gives us pictures like putting on and putting off. And when it comes to the old nature, I believe that every day we have a decision and a choice to make that we willfully choose to put off the old man and the old nature and the, 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 the old deceitfulness, the old corruption of that life and choose before God to put on the new nature. Amen. That every day we make a choice to put on the new man. And Paul makes the illustration of like putting on a garment. Amen. Aren't you glad I chose to put on clothes this morning? Go in the gym this afternoon. Glory to God. Ooh. But he makes the illustration, it's like putting on garments. And that's exactly what we need to do. And the point about point number one is this. We have to continually and consciously put off the old nature and continually and consciously put on the new nature every single day. Amen. It's a battle that is continually happening on a daily basis and we need to be careful the longer that we live in the old nature, that old man is harder to put off the longer that we live there. Amen. So it's so important every day when that old stuff starts to come up, when that old nature starts to rise its ugly head, we've got the choice right there to put it on and to live in that corruption and that deceitfulness or make the choice to say, no, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to choose to put on the new man. And that's where James is saying this first point there, where all those um, um, ungodly desires and things take place. They're coming out of our own ungodly, unredeemed, un unsaved nature from the old man. Number two, the second thing is this. Number two, we see here James is talking about the requests that God answers. The requests that God answers. He says this, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Everyone say amiss. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. Listen to the thought here. It would appear that the prayers and the requests that they were making were based out of their own desires. Listen to that there, based out of their own desires. And I know this, the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our hearts. Who's heard that scripture before? Amen. God will give us the desires of our heart. But I believe this is in reference to hearts that are redeemed and in tune with the will of God for our life. Again, the old 
desires versus the new desires. And I believe that when he was speaking about us asking amiss, it's because we're asking out of the wrong viewpoint. We're asking out of the wrong reference point. We're supposed to be asking out of a heart that's redeemed and in tune of the will of God for our life. For example, um, we could be in business. We could be a Christian person in business. And our motivation um, in business could be that, that what we want to do is we're asking God, God, bless me with as much money as you can give me because I just want to get a bigger boat and a bigger car and a bigger house and bless me because it's all about me. That's asking amiss. But you could be in business and you could be a Christian and you could be asking correctly, God, I'm asking you that you would bless my business, that you would give me such money that there would be just tons and thousands and millions of dollars and billions of dollars so that I could use it to build your kingdom, God. That's asking correctly, amen? See the difference between the two? In fact, if we look on here... We see that our prayers can go unanswered when the motivation is wrong, but James is teaching when our motivation is right, God hears us. He may not answer us right away, but we can have complete confidence that He hears us if we ask correctly or according to His will for our lives. Amen. You pray prayers that are according to the will of God for your life. God will hear your prayer. God will answer your prayer. It's just the stuff that's all about us that God goes, Oh, really? Really? It's all about you, Shane? No, no, there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. It's called my kingdom come, my will be done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. It says it in 1 John chapter 5. If you're new to the church today, I'm sorry. This is it. This is me. I'm sorry. Nearly <laughs> got water all over my microphone. Wonderful. Well, hope no one needed that. <laughs> First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. Who? In Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Amen. So you can be confident. You can take that to the bank. You can, you can put your complete trust in that fact that if you are praying prayers according to his will, he will hear you. Amen. He might not answer straight away, but he will answer. Hallelujah. For James says, don't ask amiss. People are asking to spend it all on their own pleasures and their own desires. James says, don't do that. Ask amiss. The third thought that comes to us out of these... 10 verses of scriptures. Number three, choosing friendship with the world or God. He starts by saying adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. Or do you not know that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives grace, more grace, Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James teaches that friendship with the world makes us enemies of God, and that God actually resists the proud. Wow. 
you know what the word there described and defined the word resist? To set against, to stand against. Strong words. But listen to what the, what the definition of, 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 of worldliness or worldly means, the, def, the dictionary definition of it. It's relating to or devoted to the temporal world. Worldliness, then, is the condition of being concerned with worldly affairs, especially to the neglect of spiritual things. The Bible has a great deal to say about worldliness, and the reality is none of it is good. In fact, worldliness is simply defined that our affection and our attention is on the here and now. That's what worldliness is. You might think that worldliness is having a big gold chain around your neck and a few rings, you know, gold rings on your fingers, and you're doing a hip-hop, whatever that was before. And, uh, you know, I, ca- I could not dress like Michael. I'd love to be able to dress like Michael, but that's very, very cool. But, you know, we could think that worldliness is just about having um, rap music playing in your car, hee-haw, hee-haw, and uh, Christian rap, of course. <laughs> Christian rap, of course. Christian rap, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> big car and we think that that's worldliness no worldliness is defined in scripture as simply having our affection and our attention on the here and now not focusing on eternity but the here and now that's worldliness when we're more concerned with what what, what's you know our own lives and we're concerned about today and here and now that's worldliness we become friends with the world when our attention is given completely to the here and now. But Paul's advice in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, he says this. He says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Yeah. Ooh! Come on, seek those things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Set your mind on the things above. My actions, the things that I do on a day-to-day, the thought should be, how are they affecting the things above? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get so caught up in this, this here and now. You know, life is just so short. You know, the Scripture, James talks about our life is like a... A puff before God. The Bible says, I think it's in uh, Proverbs, Psalms, it's in the Bible. It says that our, that our life is no larger than our hands. It's just the span of our hands. Our life is so short. And we spend all of our attention worrying about what we might have for tomorrow or what we might have in five years or ten years' time. And I've got to make sure that I'm going to have a good retirement package because, you know, da 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 this goes on and on and on. And God looks at that and goes, Really? I'm about eternity. What I've done for you is eternal. Amen? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, I think it is. Where is it, Phil? Come on, teacher. Come on, teacher. Help me out. Matthew chapter 16, For when the Son of God returns, He will reward each person according to the work that they have done. You are living for an eternal reward. Don't get caught up on the here and now. Don't just put all of your eggs into today and this life. No, keep sowing towards and sowing into eternity because there is an eternal reward for you. Amen. Eternal reward. But worldliness is about all focusing just on today, this life. He says it. 
Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. And then Jane goes on to teach the antidote of worldliness and selfishness as he begins in this next verse of Scripture by starting with, therefore. Amen? In other words, he's spoken about worldliness and the other things, but then he brings the antidote to us and he says, therefore. So number four, my first fourth thought is this out of these ten verses of Scripture. Submission, the key to friendship with God. <laughs> you can hear a pin drop. It's quieter than a church mouse in here. Quieter than a church with a... Oh, I don't know what that saying is. Who knows what that saying is anyway? Goodness gracious me. <laughs> Submission. You know, in our, our Western mindset, we, 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 we don't like that word. We just, and I know right now, some of us are just... just you're, doing a, you're freaking out. You're thinking, I want to do a runner, but the truth is I'd see you because I'm standing here. You'd have to crawl out underneath people's chairs, and then I'd still know you're running because people would be going like that. <laughs> but submission, it's the key to friendship with God. It is. And keeping away and at bay worldliness. Because Paul says, excuse me, James says this. He says, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify. Excuse me, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Lament and warn, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the, in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. You know, we can start to get so nervous when we start to talk about submission in church. Because the purpose of submission and the place of submission can be perverted. I've seen it. We all have. We've seen husbands trying to make their wives submit to them. Hello? We've, we've seen that. We've seen church leaders that try to force the people of God to submit to them. We've, we've probably all been touched by a perverted picture of what submission is. But I want to say this morning that submission before God and in God is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing designed to keep us safe, designed to keep us in right relationship with God, designed to keep us in right relationship with one another as well. And so this morning the thought is this, submission is the posture of the kingdom. We submit to God and to one another out of love and not of law. Amen? In fact, there's a definition of submission. This is the, uh, this probably uh, one for us that we've heard before, to place under... To subject to, I submit, I put myself into subjection. But I love what Brian Houston teaches about submission. He says, submission simply means getting under the mission. Submission simply means getting under the mission. Lord, I submit myself to the plan that you have for my life, for my family. I submit myself, Lord, for the plan that you have for your church. It's not about me and my needs, Lord. I submit myself because there's a bigger picture that we're working towards, amen bigger picture that we're working towards. The Bible teaches that we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to esteem others better than ourselves, to obey those who have authority over us, and most of all, to submit ourselves under God's authority and his law, because God will re resist all who refuse to submit and humble themselves, but, only we, excuse me, but will only give grace to the humble 
And humble people are submitting people. Amen? Humble people are submitting people. Submitted to God. Submitted to one another. The secular versus the biblical definition of submission. Secular submission is compulsory. It's imposed from without. Biblical submission is voluntary. And it's from the heart. See the difference? It's voluntary. It's from the heart. Secular submission is mainly a matter of authority. Biblical submission is more of a matter of priority, putting the interests of others ahead of our own. And you know what? I love this picture that I believe defines the picture of submission and what it's all about. Jesus demonstrates what submission looks like, and he does it in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is the picture. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will be done. An awesome picture of submission. Father, not my will, but your will be done. In my marriage, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Father, with my children, not my will, but your will be done. Father, with my finances, not my will, but your will be done. Submitting. Submitting. Choosing to come under. Choosing to bow down. The truth is this, submitting to God does cost us. It's a bowing of the will of God over our own. Over our own will. But I want to say this morning, there's always a great reward. In fact, this is why we struggle so much with submission. The issue of submission is one of the will. This issue has plagued creation from the beginning. Adam and Eve willfully disobeyed God, and it's no difference today. We struggle with this thought of submitting. But the question is this, do we willfully submit to God and to others, or do we willfully choose not to submit to His authority? Submission is a conscious decision to choose the will of God over our own. So I want to start to conclude this morning with this. What does the Bible say about who or how we should submit? The first thought, it should be up there on the screen there. Number one, James chapter 4, verse 7, we are, we are called to submit to God. Next, next one is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. God wants us to submit to one another. Amen? Then Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, husbands, you all love that one, don't you? Yeah, but your deal is this. You've got to love your wife as, as Christ loved the church. Amen? And I've heard this say before, our wives have no problem with submitting us, submitting to uh, their, their, their husbands when their husbands are loving them the way that Christ loved the church. Amen? I want that drink bottle. Hey. But there's this verse of scripture. <laughs> that won't work with my wife. She's too smart for me. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. There's those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, verse uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 5. This is all, all for the younger people, amen. All those that are not adults yet, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. <laughs> it's the word. It's what the word says. I'm not making it up. <laughs> Just kidding. 
So there's a number of areas there that God calls us to, to submission. We submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. To esteem others better than ourselves, to obey those who have authority over us, and most of all, to submit ourselves under God's authority. I want to say this this morning, and I believe it's true as we conclude today. If I could just have the the, uh, keyboard player, please. I believe the reward of submission is the presence of God. The The reward of true biblical submission is the presence of God. James says, submit yourself to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But listen to the first thought there. He starts with, therefore, submit to God. We can't draw near unless we're committed to submitting to his will, to his plan, to his purpose. Amen. I believe the more that we understand the place of submission in our lives to the will of God, the greater degree of the presence of God. Amen. And I believe it as as a local church, the more that we understand the power and place of submission in a local church as well. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, a greater degree of God's presence, a greater degree of God's anointing, healing signs and wonders, miracles taking place, bodies being healed and restored because that's the God that we serve. Amen. Our God's alive. Hallelujah. Our God's alive. Well, my time's done. But I just want to ask people this morning, I don't know every person here today, but I want to give you the opportunity to submit your life today to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You might be here today out of a, a sense of God. I don't know, I, I don't know what, what, what else I'm meant to do with my life. You might be searching this morning. You might be here really struggling with the thoughts of your life and where you're heading. You might, be, you might be feeling so empty and so dead on the inside. You might be here this morning. You have so many questions about life. I want to say this morning that Jesus is the answer to every question that you may have this morning. And this morning, I just want to ask people if we could just bow our heads and close their eyes as we conclude this morning. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you haven't accepted his gift of salvation this morning, and today you know that you're lost. He's brought you here today because he wants you to be found. And while every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your, your Lord, and you'll save it. But you know in your heart you need to give your life to him this morning. You need to pray that prayer of saying, Lord, I confess you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. While every head's bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you haven't prayed that prayer, you haven't asked for that gift of salvation, for the forgiveness of sin, just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you raise your hand boldly to heaven today and say, Shane, today, before God, I'm asking Jesus Christ to forgive me. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else here this morning that is like that? You know this morning, don't put that decision off as a decision between you and him, but it's the most powerful decision that you could ever make with your life. It's about your eternity. Hallelujah. Anyone else as I look around this morning? We have one gentleman over here. Anyone else this morning? We thank you. 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 Hallelujah. 
Well, could we just all pray this prayer today? Amen. Jesus, today, thank you for dying on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Today, Lord, afresh we give you our lives. We thank you for forgiveness and for the gift of eternal life. Lord, today, we commit our lives to following you. In your name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, everyone. That's awesome.